So we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, and we'll go there again today. Chapter 6, I believe it was. And we'll pick it up in the 32nd verse, Luke chapter 6, verse 32. And if we remember, this was uh, similar to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, but it was not the same event as, as I said before. Jesus, like any good teacher, would have different audiences and have to repeat the same message several times in several different ways for it to get through to people. And this was addressed directly to his disciples, and he'd been talking about how if the world hates you, count it a blessing. If it's for my name's sake, and he's telling them how the world would hate him or hate them, his apostles, when he sent them out and that they should count that as a blessing. And he said it, it was a bad thing if the people of the world liked you and they, they gave you great praise because they did the same thing for the false prophets and the evil people that had came before. So he's telling them to separate themselves and it's a directed at his disciples specifically in a religious sense of spreading the message of Christianity. It can also be seen as our personal life, but we had the, the sometimes confusing statement of if somebody struck you on the cheek, then you should turn the other cheek and let them strike you. Uh, a lot of people take this to mean that uh, Christians should be second-class citizens and let people over, uh, run over them. was not talking in the sense of regular people because the law is eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And he said he came not to change the law, but he was speaking to his disciples who he was sending out to spread his message. And they would be stoned and they would be attacked and such like that. And he told them not to retaliate violence for violence in that situation. So with that in mind of the subject that he is addressing apostles that he is sending out and we're picking up in the middle of a, of a lesson here in verse 32, Luke 6, 32. For if you love them which love you, what thanks have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thanks have you? For sinners also even do the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thanks have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be you therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. So, we do have a religious message here being sent to the apostles, but also something we can apply in our daily lives. We should love those that despise us because even uh, bad people love the ones that love them and they help those that can help them. Um, uh, other places, Christ says that you should do good to those who have no possibility of doing good to you in return, that they can never repay you back because he says that the Lord in heaven will uh, pay you back for your kindness. 
unto those who can't repay you. And it says if you do this, you'll be uh, known as children of the highest or children of, of the Lord God. And it says here, be you therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. So we have a one of the characteristics of the Lord. He is merciful. Let's see if we can't dig this characteristic of the Lord out more by examples in the Bible. We'll turn to Acts chapter 13. This is very soon after the Apostle Paul was converted. Probably this is on his first missionary journey, I believe. So, verse what? We'll say verse 16. I came here to get something about King David, but Paul does a summary of of the things that has happened to the children of Israel up to this time, and it's good to to bring these things to our memory because remember we came here to see how the Lord God is merciful. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, this is Paul giving a sermon to some Gentiles. Actually, these will be Israelites probably. This is in Antioch. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you that fear God, Give audience. So he's talking to the Jews and to the Gentiles who fear God. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelled as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with a high arm he brought them out of it. And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land unto them by lot. And after that he gave unto them judges for about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. So he destroyed the, the nations that were in the land of Canaan, what is present day Israel and probably Jordan and some of the Sinai Peninsula. And so for about 450 years, the people, uh, Israel was a theocracy ruled by the priest and the judges. And then after around 450 years, they started clamoring that they wanted a king like the people around them. And afterwards, they desired a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, the Lord God removed Saul because of his disobedience, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill my will. Of this man's seed, hath God, according to his promise, raised up unto Israel a Savior, uh, Jesus. So Jesus was a descendant, a direct descendant of King David. But I came here so that we see here, it says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill my will. So let's look at David a little bit and see how he would be a man after the Lord's own heart. Can I ask you a question? Yes. So Jesus was a descendant of King David, the one, the David versus Goliath. Yes. So Jesus was after David. So David was here before Jesus. Here. 
Yeah, I would. I believe it's fourteen generations, but I could be wrong. Uh, so uh, we're saying a thousand years before Christ. So uh, a thousand years beforehand, there was King David, and then he all his descendants up until the time of Christ. So when King David was like, he was following, he was following the, the First Testament Bible. If he was following like God, it was like a. Was the Bible, like the first testament, was it wrote back then, you reckon? The Old Testament? The Old testament? Uh, there were parts of it in existence. Not the whole thing, the things that happened after that. At that time, you, there would have been the, the Pentateuch, which was the first five books. There would have been probably the book of Judges. Probably the book of Ruth. The book of Job. A few others. David himself wrote most of the Psalms. And uh, the major prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Jeremiah, they weren't written yet. Most of that. So you, you would for sure have the Pentateuch, the first five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy, Judges, and David himself was a prophet. It says so here in, or there in the book of Acts. No doubt. No doubt. But um, it wasn't this whole thing like we have for sure. I was thinking of it, I want to ask that question. So let me see where I want to turn now. <clears throat> this is a history of the kings of Israel. Uh, first kings, we'll just start to see. Well, I'll start in verse 1. Now in the eighteenth year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned Abinajam over Judah. So at this time, the uh, northern kingdoms, the northern ten tribes were split, and Judah was its own kingdom. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was uh, Machai, the daughter of Abinshalom. And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as the heart of his father David had been. So this was like one of, um, this was either David's grandson or great-grandson, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But it was one of his grandsons, some removed. Nevertheless, for David's sake, did the Lord... His God give him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem. Verse 5, why I came here? Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. So we see something kind of unique here. In this, it says that David did right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of his life and did everything he told him, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And generally, in the chronicles of other rulers and, and things of that nature, there will not be any bad things spoken to them. It's like so-and-so came out and he put these nations under subjection to him and he did all this and all that he conquered. But here in the writings on the... Israelite kings, it compares them to how they did in relation to God. 
So it is not a story about them per se, but a story about God. And, and that is somewhat unique in all of writing. Here it says, he did everything right except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. If we remember, King David, his armies were out fighting and he looked over the wall and he saw Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, bathing in the courtyard. And he called her up and he slept with her. And then she sent word to him that she was pregnant, but her husband was off fighting the war. So King David sent for her husband and acted like he wanted a report from him. And once he gave it, he said, go sleep with your wife or whatever. But Uriah the Hittite would not go sleep with his wife because he said that his fellow soldiers were still in the field fighting and he wasn't going to go home and lay with his wife while his brothers in arms were were fighting, which is a, a noble thing. And David tried a couple different ways to get him to, to go sleep with her, and he wouldn't. And so then by Uriah's own hand, he sent a note to his commander there, Joab, and he said to put Uriah the Hittite on the front lines where the, the fighting was the, the hottest. And Joab did it, and Uriah the Hittite was killed. And basically it was a murder. So, and then he took Bathsheba, the wife, and the baby that they had, it, it died. And David was in a strong mourning for it until it died. And after it died, one of his characteristics was immediately, the, the people were afraid to tell him because they thought it was going to kill him. And, but as soon as he found out the baby was dead, he washed himself and he resumed his life, showing that he prayed while he could and maybe the Lord would show mercy. And when he didn't, he accepted it and moved on. But, um, and then later on, Bathsheba would bear him Solomon, who uh, became the king of Israel. But Christ did not come through the line of Solomon. He came through David's other son, Nathan. That was the one bad thing that David did. But otherwise, it said he was always a man after the Lord's own heart. And so let's look at a cult, one example even. We'll go to 2 Samuel 16, 5. And so at this time, King David's son Absalom was in revolt. He'd basically taken over the kingdom. He'd murdered one of his brothers because he'd slept with his <laughs> sister or whatnot. It's a long story. But uh, at any rate, David brought him back into the city. And while he was there for several years... He turned the people to his own side. He would always greet everybody coming into the city. And he was very, uh, very beautiful man and charismatic, I would assume. And then when the time was right, he made his move and he, he rebelled against his father. And basically he took over Israel and David had to flee for his life. And that was his son? Yes, it was his son, Absalom. <laughs> and so... He fled for his life, and this is when he's fleeing for his life. And when King David was come to uh, uh, Baharum, behold, there came out of a, out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Agira. And he came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men which were on his right hand and on his left hand. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou bloody man of Belial. 
The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zariah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with thee, you sons of Zariah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, Curse David. Who shall say then, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth from my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now this Benjamite doeth? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. And it may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him, cursing as he went, and he threw stones at him and cast dust. So King David was fleeing from his life, and this dude came out who was a servant of King Saul, and he was cussing at David and throwing rocks and dirt at him. And so David was still a king, uh, the Lord's anointed, and some of his commanders wanted to go over and kill the guy that was running along beside him, throwing rocks and dirt at him. But King David wouldn't let him because he was already in a, a, a bad state. So he showed mercy to this man at, at that time. He said his own son was after his life. Um, coincidentally, David did not kill Saul, although he had him in his hands where he could have killed him twice once in a cave and once in the uh, army camp they snuck in and stole his spear but he would not he said he would not kill the lord's anointed even though saul had tried to kill him on many occasions so at this time they're fleeing israel and then joab again commanding the host defeats absalom and david had commanded that not anybody hurt absalom but absalom because he had really long hair he got caught up in the boughs of a tree entangled and Joab killed him anyway. David was fairly upset about him being killed. But after he was killed, all the people came back to David. And this thing happened. So he's returning from his exile in another country. He's king of Israel again uh, with full authority. With basically a king was God in those days. He has the power of life and death as much as a man can have power over life, but he could have anybody killed. All the people are coming down to the River Jordan to meet him. To this day, the, the River Jordan is the boundary of the modern-day state of Israel. You'll hear people say the West Bank, that is where the Palestinians are. They're on the west side of the River Jordan, over against Jerusalem and stuff like that. So on the east side of the River Jordan is the country of Jordan now, but so David would have been coming from the east side of the River Jordan, and the people came down to meet him there as he reached the river. And this is what happened. And Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, which was of Baharim, hastened and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. 
And there was a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons and his twenty servants with him, and they went over to Jordan before the king. And there went over a ferry boat to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shimei, the son of Gera, this is the same dude that was throwing rocks and dirt at him previously when he was fleeing, and now he was returning, uh, fell down before the king as he was come over Jordan. And he said unto the king, Let not my lord impute inequity upon me, neither do thou remember that which thy servant did perversely. The day when my lord the king went out of Jerusalem, that the king should take it into his heart. For thy servant do know that I have sinned, and therefore behold, I am come the first this day of all the house of Joseph to go down and meet my lord the king. But Abishai, this is the same dude that wanted to kill him before, but Abishai, the son of Azurai, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? Question. And David said, What have I to do with thee, you sons of Azariah, that you should this day be adversaries unto me? Shall there any man be put to death this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimei, Thou shalt not die. And the king swore unto him. So at this point, David is the king. He says, Don't I know that I'm the king of Israel over this day? At this time, he could have easily had this man hanged, put to death, dismembered, whatever. And he just let him go. And he let him go. And uh, he showed him mercy. And remember, the Lord said that David was a was a man after his own heart and uh, he showed mercy to his adversaries though he had absolute power now later on on his deathbed he did warn his son solomon about about shimei in the end solomon did end up killing shimei but basically shimei killed himself solomon put him under house arrest and told him not to leave jerusalem and the day he left jerusalem and then he would uh, surely die, and Shimei stayed a few years, then he left and came back. And when Solomon found out, uh, he had him killed. But uh, King David did not, and he showed him mercy. So we'll go back. That is just one of the traits that King David had. He was always faithful to God. He was courageous, yet he was merciful and wise as well. We'll turn back and continue on in Luke. And what we have just read, we'll keep that in mind. Give me one second. Verse 36, we'll repeat that. Luke six thirty-six. Be you therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. So if we remember that David is a man after the Lord's own heart, and we saw how he was merciful in that day, and he was also merciful towards his own son, not wanting him to die. And many times, King David was extremely merciful to those who he had in his power, as we are in the Lord's power today and all, at all times. Verse 37, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. 
good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall be shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure which you met wherewithal, it shall be measured unto you again. So do unto others as you would have them do unto you is the golden rule. If you're generous to others, uh, you will your bounty will overflow because it is from the Lord. He blesses those that are generous and merciful. Verse 39, And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into a ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. So this is a very important verse. You will hear people say that we're supposed to be like Jesus, and we are. But some people say, I'm not even going to worry about that because I can't be perfect. Well, no one can. No man has lived a perfect life except for Christ, and he was the Lord. He was God. So this says, the disciple is not above his master. We will never be above Christ. But everyone that is perfect, perfect could be translated set to rights so that's like an old saying you're, you're set to rights you are good you're good enough mm -hmm. shall be as his master so we will not surpass our master but we seek to be like him as much as possible and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye but perceiveth not the beam that is in thine own eye Either how can thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to pull the mote out that is in thy brother's eye. So this is old English here, this mote and beam. A mote is a speck of dust or a... A minor irritant, like, you know, how you get dirt in your eye and it, it bothers you and chafes. Whereas a beam, other places, the men of Israel each gathered a beam and they went to a certain place. And when they got there, they used the beams to build a house. So this is like a log that would be on a log cabin. So some people can see the little speck that is in their brother's eye, but they're hypocrites because they don't see their own fault. So it's saying first deal with your big problems before you go go being holier than thou to others who are have some minor thing. Mm -hmm. Verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither do a corrupt <laughs> tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs. Nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So we all know people who aren't so good. And every time we have dealings with them, we end up on the short end of the stick because they've swindled us or they've stole from us or they've just been a general pain in the ass to deal with. And these people, though, all can breach repentance if they 
seek it in their heart. It's always constantly to do mischief. And we have seen other people who do good. And some people are just in a good mood all the time. And that mood is contagious sometimes, if you know people like that. So by your fruit, by the fruit of a person, that is how you know what kind of person they are. They can't, you can only fake it for so long, you know. Verse 46, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So there are plenty of people that profess to be Christians, yet do not do the will of the Lord. Though we all fall short, there are some that use religion to enrich themselves or profess to be Christians. Not so much, so much now as well, but we're turning into a time where it is more beneficial to be outright hostile towards Christians. Uh, this is a, a shift in the last, say, 10 years or so, and this trend will continue. But there are always going to be those who profess to be Christians for what it, it may get them until the, the really bad times come, and then there will be few and far between those who still confess to be Christians. 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid a foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat violently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. So this is what the people are like that hear Jesus' words and do them. They have a strong foundation. Their foundation is set in stone. And when the waves of the sea crash against it, it still stands. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation, build his house upon the earth, and against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. So some people, another place it says they build their house on the sand of the seashore. And when the ra- the waves come, it washes the foundation out from under the house and it collapses. And those are the people that hear the word of the Lord and do not do it. So we're entering into a new chapter and we'll, uh, we'll end here for tonight. Are there any questions?